Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. There's a company that turns dead bodies into an ocean reef. For those who romanticize a burial at sea, the company Eternal Reefs offers an innovative solution. It mixes the cremated remains of a person with concrete to create a pearl into which loved ones can etch personal messages, handprints, or environmentally friendly mementos. The pearl is then encased in a reef ball that is dropped into the sea, where it provides a new habitat for fish and other sea life, helping encourage a vibrant ecosystem. The circle of life at work for more trivia sent right into your inbox. We won't be... Uh, that's not us. That's not us. So uh, joining me today is Deb. How's it going, Deb? It's going good, Doug. We had an interesting day of hanging out at a casino losing some money yeah you know i mean we and we never really uh get rich doing that but Nothing we like, don't leave much the, <laughs> either the sunday afternoon crowd at a at an indian casino is always an interesting interesting sight to see oh no doubt so, so we we joined that group and lost some money had some lunch and celebrated our sunday so today in the true Alien Probe Podcast, Everything Weird. We're going to discuss a lot of weird things that are happening um, throughout the planet Earth and some things going on that are kind of interesting, actually. You want to uh, want to kick this one off? Sure. Uh, this one says the name Bonobo resulted from a misspelling. So the Bonobo, that's a common name for apes. It may sound like a translation of a meaningful term, but in fact, it was a result of a typo. Researchers repeatedly first found the animals in the town of Bolobo, that's B-O-L-O-B-O, Zaire in the 20s, but the name of the place was misspelled Bonobo on the shipping crate in which the animal was placed. So, of course, we just called it by the name on the crate. Yeah, we just, and we never changed it. No. (laughs) Did you know there's an annual coffee break festival? In my office? (laughs) (laughs) For, For millions of people, the coffee break is a key but often underappreciated part of each day. To stop and give the break its proper due, the town of Stoughton, Wisconsin, hosts an annual coffee break festival. The gathering includes coffee tastings, brew-offs, and bean-spitting contests. Wow, that sounds like fun. Disgusting. Oh, I like that. Why Stoughton? According to city officials, the coffee break was born in the city in the late 1800s as women working... At the local Gunderson Tobacco Warehouse, began the ritual of pausing during the workday to brew up some coffee and have a chat. Oh, and my work friends and I have perfected that. <laughs> we have we have been called the coffee clatch. We've the had co- some some <laughs> snotty things said about the fact that you know the morning coffee briefing. That's your morning briefing. You got to do briefing. it. That's right. Did you know that you can buy a flying bicycle? I want to buy a flying bicycle. How do I do it? Uh, it sounds like something out of a sci-fi novel, but British inventors John Foden and Yannick Reed have come up with a bicycle that actually flies. The Explore Air 
Paravello, that sounds very flight. Wow, Paravello yep, yep. is composed of a folding bicycle and a lightweight trailer that contains a biofuel-powered fan motor. The motor turns the fan, and with enough of a runway, it can reach up to 25 miles per hour in the air and 4,000 feet in altitude. Oh, that's a long fall. <laughs> While the inventors were unable to reach their funding goal to produce enough Explore Airs for wide availability, they are offering their inventive service through bespoke production you want me to order you one look at the little kid i love the pictures of a little a little, little kid, kid on a tricycle with a jet pack on him which was made out of a two liter soda bottle um four thousand feet in the air what could possibly go wrong you know you better those are some strong tires <laughs> i need that land. parachute thing yeah <laughs> oh this is failing <laughs> did you know you probably knew this dolphins sleep with one eye open don't we all <laughs> depends on who you live with. These I little guess. these little rapists make people around oh. them sleep with one eye open. Oh wow, their dolphins are rapists. People have been molested. People by dolphins. been molested by dolphins. You're yeah. giving dolphins a really bad name. They're so cute. Uh, yeah, but that's a big animal. Wow. You've ever been next to a dolphin? Yeah, they're huge. They, they dolphins are known to be one of the smartest animal on the planet, possibly because they can conserve their brain power. Because they must constantly be on the lookout for predators, the marine mammals have developed a neat trick of maintaining partial consciousness, even as part of their brain. Sleeps. Oh, sleeps. Yeah, like, well, that kind <laughs> of ended kind of odd. Uh, researchers have tested with this half sleep um, negatively impacts the animal's alertness during the day, but have found. That even after five days of having their nocturnal alertness constantly tested, they remained as alert and perceptive as ever. So they sleep. how did it negatively impact their sleep? It didn't. Well, they They're said just it, sleeping? It didn't. They, because if we are only half asleep, it definitely impacts us if there's something that, you know. But then, you know, open open a package of cheese while the dog's asleep and tell me if they don't sleep with one <laughs> yeah, eye open. Yeah, yeah. At least one ear is They just open. hear that's something that they're in tune to, that package rattling. Did you know that vacuum cleaners were originally horse-drawn? I did not know that. I hope the horse pooped before you vacuum. One of the earliest known vacuum cleaners was so large that it had to be hauled from house to house house via a horse-drawn carriage. Its giant hoses were popped through the windows of customers and a gas-powered motor generated the suction that pulled the dirt and debris into a glass container where onlookers could get a gawk at the volume of filth coming from their neighbor's homes. Oh, that's just mean. Ooh, look, Marge is messy. It's got dog hair. Like a, oh, ours, would be, it, ours would be pure dog it's hair. It's got shepherd hair. The largest padlock in the world weighs 916 pounds. And what does it lock up, Doug? Created by a team of scientists and teachers at the Pavlovo Arts College in Russia, the largest padlock in the world, according to Guinness World Records. And they would know. Measures 56.8 inches tall, 41.3 inches wide, and 10.2 inches deep. Altogether, this hefty lock, including key, weighs 916 pounds. Whatever it's protecting presumably weighs a whole lot more. You know, I have trouble just closing the lock. I know. Like a regular a regular no. padlock it I, never try to do it with one hand whenever you try to do it with one hand it'll just keep popping open it's yeah. like, fine i have to put down whatever's in my hand take <laughs> you the just lock gotta hit it against the fence or oh, yeah, whatever that it never is works. did you know that pandas poop out most of what they eat <laughs> well they eat bamboo 
<laughs> Whoa, Pan- ow. Pandas basically only eat bamboo, which happens to be incredibly hard to digest. But yeah, that's why yeah. they eat all day. That means these adorable animals must eat about 30 pounds of stuff each day to get enough nutrients, defecating about four-fifths of the stuff of what they eat. And even what they do digest is not especially easy on their gastrointestinal system. No, because it's wood. These guys should really consider a change in diet. Yeah, well, they've been... Well, it's kind of interesting because they only eat bamboo and that's they, all they crap eat. out most of it. It's like, where are well, they, they getting their nutrition? They evolved in a place where bamboo was the only readily available food, so they evolved to eat bamboo. It's like koalas eat eucalyptus. They, yeah. The pandas eat bamboo because that was what was available, and they have evolved to be able to eat it. McDonald's introduced drive-through service due to the military. The first McDonald's drive-through was installed in a restaurant based in Sierra Vista, Arizona, located near the Fort Huachuca military installation. Military rules forbade the soldiers from wearing their military uniforms in public, and they weren't about to change into civilian clothes just to grab a burger and run back to base. So restaurant manager David Rich came up with a solution. Cut a hole in the wall and allow members of the military to pick up their orders without stepping out of their car. The convenience and simplicity of the idea quickly caught on. And you know, it seems to have become a trend. It's definitely a trend now. <laughs> <laughs> People seem to enjoy the drive-through, the drive-up, the curbside service. Imagine all, all the places now you can just phone. Yeah. Today was a tragedy when the Starbucks in our neighborhood was not accepting online orders and we actually had to go through the drive-thru and order our food that was a tragedy that was a tragedy i know it's yeah. funny how these little i order on the app and problems pick up and and, and then you hold your phone up and they just scan it because uh, you got a card in your yeah wallet. they know who i am and i get to use my stars to pay for things <laughs> did you know that alfred hitchcock was frightened of eggs i did not how do you be afraid? The master of suspense who terrified audiences with movies like Psycho and The Birds. I've never seen The Birds. Oh, we have to watch it. I don't think I've ever seen Psycho. Oh. I haven't. I don't get out much. Consider himself an ovophobe. Someone frightened of eggs. How are you afraid of something that it can't chase you down? <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock explained to an interviewer in 1963... I'm frightened of eggs, worse than frightened. They revolt me. Well, that I understand. They can gross you out, but you can't be afraid of them. The white round thing without any holes, and when you break it inside, there's that yellow thing. Round without any holes. Blood is jolly, red, but egg yolk is yellow, revolting. I've never tasted it. <laughs> wow, that's He's never just weird. tasted an egg. Wow, that's I mean, weird. no deviled eggs for him. Pigs don't sweat, Dad. No, they don't. I do. I knew. Did this you know one. that? Yeah, that's why they like mud. If someone tells you you're sweating like a pig, you might want to point out to them, if you're that sort of person. I am that sort of person. That if <laughs> being biological act, biologically accurate, that would mean they were not sweating at all. Swine are born without sweat glands, and when they need to cool off, their only option tends to be to find a cool puddle of mud in which they can roll around in. That's you knew that exactly. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah, I had pigs when I was in FFA, and you have to be very careful not to let your pigs get overheated because they can't cool themselves. The fuller the fridge, the more energy efficient it is. 
You don't like to keep a gigantically full fridge. No, but I do. I knew. I do know that like an empty freezer is not a good thing because it takes more uh, energy to cool it. So that's why the entire second shelf of our freezer is packed with brown bananas waiting for somebody to make banana bread. Yes, I'm waiting for that banana bread. We'll get there. We need a rainy day. An empty fridge not only makes it more difficult to decide what to snack on, it also wastes valuable energy. It works like this. The more empty space in the fridge, the more cold air is displaced by warm when you open the door. So don't keep opening the door. Don't keep opening Requiring the, the Like we did as a kid. What do you want? I would, as a teenager, I would constantly open it. And my dad would just be, there's nothing new in there. No, I'm same. still looking. I'm hoping something will appear, like in Star Trek. I know. Just There's got to be something better. So if a fridge is packed, less cool air escapes and less energy is required to replenish it. The writers at the kitchen go so far as to advise fridge owners, fill empty bottles with water in order to displace the empty air. That seems like a lot of work. Probably not going to do that. Then we're wasting water. Why don't I just buy more cookies? Cookies. There's a Lego bridge in Germany that you can walk across. I've seen that on Facebook. Isn't that cool? I have never seen that. The German town of Wuppertal. I want to be a Wuppertalian. (laughs) It's home to the Lego Brook, also known as a Lego bridge. I'm sure I pronounced that incorrectly. Of course. A bridge that looks like it's made of candy-colored Lego bricks, providing a foot and bikeway for those looking to cross over the street below. Despite appearances, the bridge is not made of giant plastic bricks, however, but concrete. It was painted to look like the popular oh, mean, building toys by street artist Martin Hewald. You can't drive trucks over an actual Lego? Well, I, they're giants. It's, they're, I know, but I mean, still, they're painted, that, too. It's like, they, they're, I, when I first saw that, I went, that's oh, plastic? Yeah, it's a plastic bridge. Yeah, no, no, Doug, it's not. It's not. Umbrellas were once used only by women. Why is that, Deb? While umbrellas are used... <laughs> I don't know, Doug. How <laughs> don't I explain it to you? While umbrellas are used and appreciated by pretty much everyone living in rainy places, for centuries they were seen as something only to be used by women. Associated with the fashionable parasols women would carry during nicer days to keep the sun from their skin. But in the mid-18th century, the barriers started to fall. Public figures like philanthropist Jonas Hamway, I don't know who that is, carrying umbrellas during public events. Soon others took notice of the accessories practicability. And if it wasn't long before and it wasn't long before men were using them as often as women. We have actual men at work who will walk around with parasols in the summertime to keep the sun off of no, their little heads. You know, anymore. You should be I know about I've, the sun. I've had the skin cancer and yet I still Yeah. Don't. Well, let's give a little shout out to our uh Advertiser, okay. uh, Ryan BCS at Orion BCS. Their goal is to find the best program and rates available for your business. Their team has years of experience helping clients find lower rates for processing credit cards. They understand that every business is different, so let them spend the time to find out what suits your business needs. So visit OrionBCS.com and let them begin the process towards saving you money to help you realize your financial goals. Once again, visit orionbcs.com and contact them today. All programs of Orion BCS are subject to terms and conditions. Visit orionbcs.com for more details. Thank you, Orion BCS. And I've got, for 20 years, a cat served as mayor of an Alaskan town. I was hoping to get this one. How did it sign bills? How does it sign bills? (laughs) 
1997, an orange cat named Stubbs became honorary mayor of the Alaska town of Tokita. With a population of 772 in 2000, it would not have been too many votes to earn that position. And the small town did not actually have a real mayor anyway. Oh, well. But Stubbs provided adept at the role, gaining fans from around the world and serving in the position for years, greeting tourists and becoming a beloved symbol of the town until his death in 2017. So who's the mayor now? There isn't one. He was honorary and they never really had one. So I don't know you have a town without a mayor. I assume they have ways of getting things done. Um but and it's With Alaska. All, it's all the 772 wild... people yeah. in the town. Yeah, nobody agrees on anything, so that should be interesting. Well, do you know, and I, think I knew this. We knew this really well <laughs> in this house. Squirrels, the, you know, pretty-tailed rats, as I call them, <laughs> are behind most power outages in the U.S. The American Public Power Association, or the APPA, APA. says that Squirrels are the most frequent cause of power outages in the U.S. They even developed a data tracker called the Squirrel Index. Which the I think, Squirrel Index. How I, do I think, they do that? I think that? our dog has one of those where he writes yeah. down which squirrels he's chased out of the yard. That analyzes the patterns and timing of squirrels' impact on electrical power systems. We need to make a report. Turns out the peak times of the year for squirrel attacks are from May to June and October to November. It's probably when they're building their nest, right? Yeah. Typically, the squirrels cause problems by tunneling, chewing through electrical insulation, or becoming a current path between electrical conductors. Frankly, the number one threat experience, number one threat experience to date <laughs> by the U.S. electrical greatest squirrels, said John C. Inglis, the former deputy director of national security. Wow, the national direct deputy director of national security agency is addressing the squirrel problem. And we live in the squirrel capital of the well, world we have so seems. many they're like giant yeah, squirrels too everywhere and we have experienced that firsthand where half it's you like you turn you turn things on and they don't run at full speed and the lights don't light up and you think it's your panel it's not yeah it's uh we were told by our uh our maintenance guy that we or handyman guy that uh nope you need to call your uh, your electrical provider because that is their problem and it was and they were really good at they responding to that. They came out and put up all new, all new wires in the back. And then we had to go through. We have a we have a leaning pole of pizza in our backyard. <laughs> leaning pole of pizza. And every time somebody comes out to work on the electricity, they look at that pole. Oh, I don't know if that pole is safe. Yeah. Thirty years I've been dealing with that crooked damn pole. Someday. Someday we're going to get a new pole. I figured they'd give us a new pole, but they weren't going there. Do you know that spider webs were used as bandages in ancient times? In ancient Greece and Rome, doctors used spider webs to make bandages for their patients. Spider webs were better than nothing. Spider webs were supposedly have natural antiseptic and antifungal properties, which can help keep wounds clean and prevent infection. It's also said that the spider webs are rich in vitamin K, which helps. From I, body, yeah, I don't I, hear too much about K, do you? Well, if, if like if your dog gets um, poison, if your dog eats rat poison, that's what they give it is um, spider a big shot of not spider webs, <laughs> oh, no. okay. vitamin K, because it because um, what poison does is promote bleeding, internal bleeding, right? And the vitamin K uh, promotes clotting, so it can actually counteract poison. 
So next time you're out of Band-Aids, just head to your attic and grab some Webicillin. I'm allergic to penicillin, so I'm not you're putting use a Webicillin. on me. No, I'm not. What happens when you have penicillin? I break out in hives and stop breathing. Did it happen to you? When I was a little kid, yeah. They gave me penicillin for something. and They figured it out pretty quick. There yeah, was no I guess problem. whatever I had, I think I had strep throat. And mom took me to Kaiser. And they gave me a shot of penicillin. And then she dropped me off at the babysitters and went to work. Because, of course, she's not going to take care of some stupid sick kid. So she drops me off at the babysitters. And like an hour later, I guess I was just covered in hives and barfing and... It was it was bad, so that's when they determined that I was allergic to penicillin. That was way back in the day. I was resident to just put you in the backyard and leave you there until your mom got home. I know. Now my babysitter was wonderful. Ida May would not. Ida May, the Ida babysitter. May. <laughs> Ida May was the best. That's oh awesome. my god! And her husband Lon. Lon. Yep, they were so cool. Uh, a woman her who lost her wedding ring and found it sixteen years later. On a carrot in her garden. Oh, come on. A woman in Sweden lost her wedding ring while cooking for Christmas in 1995. She looked everywhere for it and even had her kitchen floor pulled up, hoping she could find it. How do you think it got under the floor? I don't know. <laughs> but she wouldn't see it again until 2012. While gardening 16 years later, the woman found the ring around a carrot that was sprouting in the middle of it. The only explanation was the ring must have been lost in vegetable peeling that were turned into compost. Clear, clearly, composting isn't just good for the environment. Yes. Maybe when you throw your composting out, you should look for shiny things in it. I'll keep track of where your wedding ring oh, is. That's a long time. One quarter of all your bones are located in your feet. There are 26, you would, you see, I think you cheated and you read two in a row, so I got the crappy uh, bones in your feet. <laughs> I only read... There are 26 bones in each foot. That's 52 bones in both feet out of 206 total bones in your whole body. Now, this is an interesting Do fact. the math, Doug. Do the math quick. <laughs> you want me to do it in my head? <laughs> Which is more than 25%. It may sound crazy at first, but if you think of it, your feet support your weight and allow you to jump, run, and climb. These bones and joints also allow your feet to absorb and release energy efficiently. It's one of those reasons humans can outrun any other animal in an endurance race. Can and I pre-read this and I'm like, can they? <laughs> I don't We're, know if that's true. I am not true. the one you want to test I don't, on. I'm not the one. I've been trying to run on the treadmill and I've found I can't outrun anything. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't think. Well, I think it's endurance. You know, a cheetah can, you know, can go faster, but it can't go longer. I don't think I could ever. It's still near. Well, I guess it needs to get you real quick before, otherwise you'll just outrun it. Because I can't. You'll outwalk it. I know I can't outrun. <laughs> I can't outrun my dog. Blood donors in Sweden receive a text when their blood is used. All oh, that sweet. So you know it's not just sitting in a warehouse. To encourage more young people to donate blood, Solngriska University Hospital in Gothenburg, Sweden sends a text to donors when their blood has been dispersed to someone in need. A common issue with blood donation, along with other types of charitable donations, is that if a don donor doesn't know the recipient, it's harder to convince them that donating is worth it. But with this system, which started in 2012, potential donors in Sweden have proof that their contribution is going to good use. I don't know, we're, aren't we, isn't California talking about paying people for blood? They're going to pay... They're, it's not going to be money. It's, it's a tax, ta tax credit. credit. Yeah, because yeah, you imagine. I think we already pay. I thought we... Wasn't that a big deal with drug use or 
I don't know, people going in and selling their blood. I thought there that used was, to be, yeah, but I don't. I think you that's, don't get to do I that. Maybe they had to get back to that <laughs> instead of this tax credit. You're more likely to get a computer visor from visiting religious sites than porn sites. Did you explain know that? Explain that, Doug. Just explain that, Doug. I, I, why don't you have any... computer's kind of running slow today. Why don't you have any viruses on I, your computer? Because I don't visit I don't visit any <laughs> religious sites. According to, to research from security from Cementi, Cementec, religious websites carry three times more malware threats than pornography sites. Symantec found that the average number of security threats on religious sites was around 115 compared to adult content sites, which carried around 25. In fact, only 2.4% of adult sites were infected with malware. The researchers hypothesized that because porn sites need to generate a profit, so there's a financial incentive to keep them virus free to encourage repeat business oh and so otherwise this also gave semantic a reason to visit every porn site that exists <laughs> gonna have to leave that and, one on and stay there for a while just to see if they got any viruses <laughs> still waiting now do they just are they in this office with a bank of people sort of like just, watching all this porn this porn going on 12 different did that infect your did that infect your? Anybody did that got infect? In, anybody got infected? No. Now there's Fred over there in the corner visiting religious websites yeah. all by himself. Yep, yeah, those aren't quite as exciting. Did or you know that the inventor of the Pringles can is now buried in one? I didn't know that. That's interesting. I don't like Pringles. Um, oh, commie. Those are awesome. They're very dry. I like my, my I like my chips greasy. I don't like them because they're all the same. Kind of boring. I like mine to have different. You like all the different shapes. I like the different shapes. See, I shapes. like potato chips, that the ones they get folded over, so they're a little... Oh, I love those. That's a double. Yeah. Uh, in 1966, Frederick, ba Frederick Bauer developed the ingenious idea for Procter & Gamble to uniformly stack chips inside a can instead of tossing them in a bag. And yet that bag still exists. Bauer was so proud of his invention that he wanted to take it to the grave, literally. He communicated his burial wishes to his family, and when he died at age 89, his children stopped at Walgreens on the way <laughs> to the funeral home to buy wow. his burial Pringles can. I guess they ate all the chips first, though. Huh? They did have one decision to make, though. My siblings and I briefly debated, debated what flavor to use, Bauer's eldest son Larry told Time, but I said, look, we need to use the original. Frederick Bauer... An American classic. Okay, it begs the question, did they, and you've seen human Remains, ashes. yeah. Can you fit all that in a Pringles no, can? you cannot. <laughs> so what do you no. do with the rest? <laughs> yeah, you gotta take, the, they didn't mention two cans. So we don't talk about that part. Sunglasses were originally designed for Chinese judges to hide their facial expressions in court. Today, sunglasses serve as protective, protective eyewear, effectively preventing bright sunlight from causing discomfort or damage to our eyes. Of course, they're also a fashion accessory. But sunglasses were originally made out of smoky quartz in 12th century China, where they were used by judges to mask their emotions when they were questioning witnesses. I don't, wow. I don't know that... 
Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Well, you don't want people to see your you eyes. Want to see my emotions when I'm questioning you. Well, I guess they didn't want to, you know, I don't know. Some people are very inscrutable. You just don't know. Do you know that cotton candy was invented by a dentist? Wow. I can, yeah, I could, I could see that. Eat this, little girl. Yeah, eat this your entire life, and I'll see you when you're 20 when you don't have any teeth left. Yeah. Dentist William Morrison and confectioner John C. Wharton invented machine spun cotton candy in 1897. It was first introduced at the 1904 World's Fair as Fairy Floss. Then another dentist, Joseph Lascaux, reinvented the machine in 1921. He came up with the name Cotton Candy, which replaced Fairy Floss. They should concentrate on things like working on teeth <laughs> back in 1921. Oh, yeah. If you remember what went on in 21 when you're... Uh... In 1921, when you uh, you know needed some dental work, yeah, you went to the barber. Shakespeare's epitaph contains a curse for grave robbers. When William Shakespeare Shakespeare died, 52 years old, on April 23rd, 1616, he was buried in a tomb that featured an epitaph meant to ward off grave robbers. Good friend, for Isvis' sake, forbear. To dig the is that dust, dust enclosed here. Blessed be a man who spares these stones and cursed be you moves my bones. Or more clearly, good friend for Jesus' sake forbear to dig the dust enclosed here. Blessed by the man that spares these stones and cursed be he that moves my bones. Cursed be he that moves my bones. Wow. I'll we'll put that on my grave. Shakespeare. A New Orleans hotel offered a $15,000 stay to whoever stole the most outrageous item from them. In March of 2019, the Roosevelt Hotel in New Orleans decided to celebrate its 125th anniversary by offering a free seven-night stay in its presidential suite, along with complimentary private dinners and spa treatments worth a whopping $15,000. This wasn't a standard giveaway. It was not. The prize was only available to the person who returned the most outrageous item ever stolen from the hotel. Now, this is a very incomplete story because I would love to know what got returned. What it was. What yeah. did people steal? Because I, I mean, about that. I've grabbed a glass. I've grabbed a towel. Really? What about pillows? I've never stolen. Why would I steal a pillow? I don't know. People no. have stolen pillows. No. The towel, because I really like some of the hotel glasses. They give you like the little water glasses they used to give you. So I would steal one of those, and I would use the the little washcloth to wrap it in in my luggage. That was my big thievery from a hotel. But I didn't know you were a thief. I That's am a thief, but I've never really stolen anything important from a hotel, and I can't imagine how you would do that. I do want to know what I when I first read that I thought, oh, you can go in there and then you're gonna. I was looking at the picture, going, okay, maybe that chandelier would be something, or. But I mean, there's. But just, no, they want they hit somebody who from the past has stolen right. something and then return it. Yeah. So, it was it's an interesting story. We need to look more up on that one. Children of identical twins are genetically siblings, not cousins. Right. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. Cousins whose parents are identical twins share twenty five percent of their DNA. Instead of the usual 12.5%. While full siblings share 50% of their DNA, half siblings share 25%. 
That's why, though children of identical twins are legally cousins, they are genetically the equivalent of half-siblings. That's that makes interesting. Sense, yeah. A giant tortoise thought to be extinct for 100 years was recently discovered in the Galapagos. Because there hadn't been a sighting of a Fernandina giant tortoise in more than 100 years, scientists believed that we had lost the last of the creatures years ago. However, in February of 2019, an adult female was spotted around Fernandina Island. Well, that's a good place for a Fernandina giant tortoise in the Galapagos. Scientists also found bite marks on nearby cacti that led them to suspect there may be other tortoises in the area too. They like to eat cactuses. Wacho Tapia, who is the director of the Giant Tortoise Restoration Initiative at the Galapagos Conservancy, released a statement saying to find a living tortoise on Fernandina Island is perhaps the most important find of the century. Now we just need to confirm the genetic origin of this female. She is old, but she is alive. That's really cool. That is that's interesting. The Goodyear blimp is the official bird of Redondo Beach, California. And what exactly is bird-like about it? Bird-like. Well, look, it looks like a bird. It's not a bird. It's a plane. It's a bluebird. The Goodyear blimp is nothing short of iconic, but we wouldn't classify it as a bird. Still, that didn't stop Redondo Beach, a coastal city situated near the Goodyear blimp's home airport in Carson, California, from passing a resolution in 1983 to... Make the blimp its official bird. Well, the official animal of Scotland yeah. is a unicorn. Yeah, well, that's probably coming up, too. Oh, is it? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to have ruined that for you. Ruined the You're surprise. reading that one. It would only take one hour to drive to space. Not if you're some of these people in this neighborhood that have 15 <laughs> 30 miles an hour. God. You got some people that drive slow. If you got into your car turned on the ignition, and drove up into the sky at 60 miles per hour, it would take just one hour to get to outer space, according to astronomer Fred Hoyle. Of course, this is purely theoretical, but it sure is fun to think about. It is it theoretical, or can I just go out there and... I do want to... I think it's, we're obligated up. to... I think we're at this point, we're obligated to mention, don't try this. It's dangerous. Well, if you, <laughs> even if you try to drive up, you ain't driving up. I don't know. I don't know. They might try a ramp or something. I don't know. You drive know up to are. space. Don't try this at home, kids. Even professionals wouldn't do it. A cornflake in the shape of Illinois sold on eBay for thirteen fifty. You got any cornflakes in there? Like one thousand three hundred fifty dollars. One thousand three hundred fifty dollars. I crushed all of our cornflakes to make. We need to chicken. spread out those cornflakes. And look at them before we crush them up. There might be a state in there. <laughs> in 2008, two Virginia sisters found a cord flake that was shaped like the state of Illinois and sold it on eBay for $1,350. Monty Kerr, the owner of a trivial website from Austin, Texas, was the buyer. He explained that he wanted the special piece of cereal for his traveling museum. We're starting a collection of pop culture and American items, he told the Associated Press. We thought that this was a fantastic one. It really isn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a cornflake. It really isn't. And how would you, how really would you mail it to him? Oh, wait, it doesn't look like Illinois it didn't anymore. Make, it didn't make it. it. got some milk on it. <laughs> the amount of copper on the Arizona Capitol building roof is equivalent to nearly 5 million pennies. 
How many you know dollars that? is that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. I don't know. The copper of the the copper roof of Arizona's Capitol building in Phoenix is undeniably impressive, especially once you learn that it's the equivalent to four million eight hundred thousand pennies, and that's a heck of a lot of pocket change. That's a heck of a and Doug would leave it all in his pocket and make me and make it, it go in the And then the dryer would make that clinking sound. Just in time for me to sit there and go, oh. I hear that. I'm in trouble. A cloud can weigh more than a million pounds, Deb. I knew that. Did you know that? No. I play a lot of trivia. Clouds are not as light and fluffy as they appear. In fact, researchers have found that a single cloud weighs about 1.1 million pounds. How do they know? Well, they put it on scale. Yes. <laughs> a cloud scale. Well, that number is calculated by taking the water density of a cloud and multiplying it by its volume. Fortunately, the cloud can still float at that weight because the air below is even heavier. Yeah, see, then you get into science that I can't even begin to comprehend. Yeah, that's... My brain doesn't work when it comes to that. Kind of ruins it, knowing that those things weigh a million. The Apollo 11 crew used hundreds of autographs as life insurance. Neil Armstrong and the Apollo 11 crew faced the real chance that they wouldn't return from the moon safely, leaving their families without financial support. That was thoughtful of them. Due to the extreme danger they were about to face, they couldn't take out life insurance policies. Yeah, no, no, no company is even going to think about insuring you. Well, what do you, I mean, I, I guess they're so popular you can just go get life insurance. Well, they may have had life insurance. I don't know. You know, maybe <laughs> they probably had life insurance because these weren't, you know, extremely young. So they may have had life insurance. But I'm thinking once they started signing on for these astronaut duties, they got canceled because, I mean, we're not going to cover you. It's too risky. You're yeah. giving risky it's behavior. Like, we'll cover you for dying from anything but being in a rocket. Um, <laughs> so instead, they signed hundreds of autographs which their families would have been able to sell if they didn't make it home. Luckily, those life insurance autographs weren't needed. They do, however, show up in space memorabilia auctions today selling for as much as 30 grand. Oh, you would so pay for one of those. I would. Well, that's Put it on the wall right here. That's interesting that they just they knew enough to know that, you know, because there was no eBay back then. The Queen owns all the swans in England. Really? Every one of them? According to Bruce Law, any unclaimed swan swimming in the open waters of England and Wales belongs to the Queen. Oh, so she doesn't own all of them. She just owns those who aren't privately owned by somebody. The law originated in medieval times when swans were a delicacy for the wealthy. But it still stands today. Queen Elizabeth II also upholds a centuries-old tradition with the swans. Every year during the third week of July... All the swans in the River Thames are counted for the queen in a practice called swan-upping. Oh, so these poor peons have to go out there and count swans. Hey, you know what? I bet they're... the same as whatever else they were doing. I bet they're faking it. <laughs> yeah. I see this a bunch of... last year's... You saw last year's number and add 10%. Yeah, I mean, you just look out there. Oh, there's a bunch of them on the lake. That's 20... Yeah. A fortune cookie once foretold the lottery, resulting in 110 winners. How many people got that same fortune cookie? In 2005. You're about to find out. In 2005. 
one Powerball drawing had a shocking 110 second place winners all. So the cookie kind of sucked. Who all attributed their luck to a fortune cookie. Give me second place. The folks <laughs> at Powerball were suspicious. Those Powerball people just never trust anybody. Typically, there are just four or five second place winners. However, no foul play was involved. Wanton food, a wonton food, a Chinese fortune cookie distribution factory in Long Island City just so happened to correctly foretell five of the six winning numbers. We are so excited, Ho Sing Lee, president of the cookie manufacturer, said at the time. I knew people took our lucky numbers seriously. It shows that they really do tell fortunes. We are happy so many people have benefited. Each winner took home $100,000 oh, and five, between $100,000 and $500,000, depending on how much they bet. I, oh, I, I, I thought Powerball was just a buy it. So they bought three tickets with the same number? What the hell? I don't get it. No, other separate people. You, Powerball people. is you pay $5 and you get a ticket. You know what I mean? It's not. Oh, it's a like it's a lottery. Quick pick. Yeah, it's a lottery. It's, it's but these people pick. pick their own numbers. It's yeah. probably different with some. It's probably the one where they pick the numbers. Oh, I'm sorry you didn't get this one. Yeah. A woman with two uteruses gave birth to twins less than a month after having a baby. So she had three babies. There's a picture There's a of a stomach. When most people have a baby, they typically wait a little while before even thinking about having another child. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't an option for one woman in Bangladesh who unexpectedly gave birth to twins in March 2019, less than a month after having another newborn. The highly unusual circumstance came about because the woman had two uteruses and both were able to successfully carry the three healthy children to term. However, the mother's doctor did admit we were very shocked and surprised. I've never observed something like this before. Wow. Yeah, there was a there was a Grey's Anatomy that centered around a lady with two uteruses, and she was having two babies. That you know, it, it was it's fascinating stuff. If you like your Grey's Anatomy, I'll I'll, you know, I'll tell you about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You look so excited. <laughs> Did my eyes gloss over? A little bit. Okay, a a meteor exploded over Earth with the force of 10 atomic bombs and everyone missed it. You'd think if a spatial body met a phenomenally fiery fate right above our heads, we'd notice. But when a meteor hit our atmosphere on December 18, 2018 and exploded... With a force that was 10 times the energy of Hiroshima atomic bomb, it wasn't discovered by NASA scientists until after the fact. Turns out, it went largely undetected because it took place over the Bering Sea in an area that was close, but not directly on the path of commercial planes flying between North America and Asia. Well, that's good. <laughs> that, that would have been an unpleasant surprise. Oh, look. Oh, hell. <laughs> turn. Turn. <laughs> By the time you notice it's happening, you're done. Louisiana is home to a rare pink dolphin. We were just talking about this earlier. Yeah. It's hard to imagine dolphins being any more wonderful than they already are. The little rapist. <laughs> Giving dolphins a bad name. I didn't do it. They did. But... A Louisiana bottlenose dolphin named Pinky. Oh, yeah. Is almost too adorable to believe. It's my Pinky. First spot in 2007. The unusual creature got its name from its surprising pink color, 
which is likely the result of a rare genetic condition. Peaky was seen again in 2015 and in 2018 while mating. Oh, Giggity. Give Peaky some privacy. <laughs> Hope it was Spice consensual. It. And what was it mating with? Was it consensual? Was it, was it a human? <laughs> is that what they're raping, the humans? Oh, my God. Despite the fact... Boy, that's a whole episode right there. Despite the fact that fishermen have apparently seen her swimming with baby dolphins, they're not sure... Well, if she's, she's their mother. You think she stole them? Were they pink dolphin, <laughs> pink baby dolphins? Well, there's, Especially since no news of any pink baby dolphins has surfaced. There's a place in the Amazon that has naturally pink dolphins. Um, when I was sophomore in high school at the Catholic high school in biology class, our teacher gave us this little tidbit of information. She was like, no, this is going to get me in trouble. Do not... Make me get in trouble for telling you guys this. Oh, nobody's going to mention anything, right? They're kids. I know. It's just the only things that have sex for pleasure and not just specifically for reproduction are dolphins and humans. (laughs) 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 And so you tell a bunch of 15-year-old girls this. (laughs) That's bizarre. I know. A moon bow is a rainbow... Get it? Moon bow. Moon bow. That happens at night. If a storm is passing and the sun starts shining, you may be lucky enough to spot a rainbow. But did I, you? I know? have, but I've no, I know I, I tried to get the pot of gold and I can never find it. You just gotta keep looking. You've got it. You found me. Um, that was that was at a Mexican food restaurant. <laughs> That's the best and second best thing to a rainbow. But did you know that you can see something just as amazing at night, while they're incredibly Unusual moonbows or lunar rainbows are caused by the reflection, refraction, and dispersion of light, and tend to happen most often in places with waterfalls and mist. Oh, let's we should turn on our waterfall. There also needs to be a near full moon for there to be enough light for you to see it. Interesting. Bumblebees can fly higher than Mount Everest. Wow. If you thought it was impressive that humans could make it to the top of Mount Everest, you'll be stunned to find out that bumblebees can make it to the summit. Researchers who tracked two bees that were able to fly at more than 29,525 feet, or 9,000 meters, which is higher than Everest, admitted that they were shocked at how high they could fly. How did they monitor their progress? They have little bee tracking devices. I don't know, because you've been looking up there. I, I lose sight I... of them when they get to the end of the yard. I, know. I, don't know how they, I don't know how they did it. Do you know that the Terminator sold for a dollar? Yeah, and I'm sorry I didn't buy that. The Terminator starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Your favorite. State worker. <laughs> and Linda Hamilton. Earned a worldwide total of $78.3 million at the box office in 1984. As it went on, the franchise took in over $1.4 billion. I bet that's more now because that movie's still good. Oh, Not good. bad for a movie whose rights sold for a dollar. Before James Cameron became famous for directing blockbusters like Titanic and... Avatar. Avatar. <laughs> he was just an unnamed, unknown filmmaker with an ambitious idea. In order to get his movie made, he handed over the rights to the script for a token amount on the terms that he would be allowed to direct the movie. Despite the eventual success of the project, Cameron, project, Cameron later admitted that he regrets the decision to sell such a valuable story for such a low amount, saying, I wish I hadn't sold the rights for $1. Well, 
If I had a little time machine and I could only send some back something the length of a tweet, it'd be, don't sell. Oh, I think he's doing okay. Yeah, but who'd you sell it to? Who, um... Was it? Whoever, whatever film company made it. He yeah. let the... Because the uh, film company... Um, I don't think he really realized yeah, what he had. Yeah, but I think he's done okay. Yeah, I mean... Financially, he's not in trouble. He can... He can yeah, they can always use a little more money. You know, you know. <laughs> Scientists discovered an organism with a disappearing butt. I don't have... But... I don't have... Did you... Was it you? It's me. <laughs> the comb jelly, also known as the warty comb jelly, seat walnut, sea walnut, or nemiopsis yeah, ledgy, a, uh -huh. has a disappearing butt. Sydney Tam of the Marine Biological Laboratory in Woods Hole, Massachusetts. Oh, it would be in Hole. Yeah, Woods Hole. Mm -hmm. Told new scientists that new scientists that there is no documentation of a transient anus in any other animals that I know of. It is not visible when the animal is not pooping, but there's no trace under the microscope. Its anus is invisible to me. So the the anus it only appears when it's pooping. Okay, well, Annabelle was kind of like that, and that hers even kind of came out when she was pooping. So, you know, did you watch her? I've always had to watch her poop. Someone <laughs> tried to sell New Zealand. Annabelle's on eBay. a dog, by the way. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Someone tried to sell New Zealand on eBay. Oh, did it work? Some odd things have been sold on eBay, from a grilled cheese sandwich with the face of the Virgin Mary to Justin Timberlake's half-eaten French toast. But one of the strangest listings ever had to be for the country of New Zealand. That's right. A man from Brisbane, Australia, tried to sell New Zealand on eBay in 2006. The listing described the country as the dodgiest American Cup winner ever. Oh, that's just so clever. And said it has... Very ordinary weather. Despite these selling points, the ridiculous auction gained a ton of interest. The starting bid was one cent, and after 6,000 hits and 22 bids, the selling price for New Zealand climbed all the way to $3,000. Eventually, ha, huh, see, eBay <laughs> caught wind of the auction and pulled it from its site. You can't, pull, can't put one over on eBay. Clearly, New Zealand is not for sale, a spokesperson for eBay Australia said at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. It's not for sale. Can't buy New Zealand. What's wrong with you people? A London tomb is supposedly a time machine or teleportation chamber. I found this interesting. Did you? Obviously. London's Brompton Cemetery inspires some strange beliefs. It's the final resting place of Hannah Courtois, who was a well-known... Respect for ancient Egyptians, astrological, and perhaps mystical knowledge. She's buried there along with two of her daughters in a massive 20-foot granite mausoleum that includes a pyramid peak and a bronze door decorated with Egyptian hieroglyphs. Wow. The entryway also features a keyhole, but the key that unlocks, <laughs> unlocks it was lost, which, along with Cordoy's history, sparked the tomb's peculiar reputation. Because no one can get inside to confirm or deny superstitious suspicion, there's a le local legend that says it isn't a tomb at all, but a time, a machine. time machine. However, historian Stephen Coates told Mental Floss, uh -huh. it's not a time machine, it's a teleportation chamber. I, I, there's got to be a way to get in there. I well, guess. Call a locksmith. Call a locksmith. I've done it. I've lost yeah. keys. 
I've yeah. lost keys. I've called a locksmith. That's how it works. Did you know that sumo wrestlers make babies cry for good luck? Oh, really? They also wear diapers, so what are you going to say? <laughs> well, most parents do what they can We're to... you get beat up by a sumo wrestler. Those aren't diapers. What do you call them, then? The outfit. <laughs> my out- I don't think they want to call it my outfit, either. <laughs> Men don't wear outfits. While most parents do what they can to prevent or stop their babies from crying, that's not always the case in Japan. That's because it's a 400-year-old Japanese tradition that if a sumo wrestler can make your baby cry, it means he or she will live a healthy life. During a special ceremony, parents hand over their infants to sumo wrestlers who bounce their precious tots up and down and sometimes even roar in their little faces to get the tears flowing. He's not a baby that cries much but today he cried a lot for us and we are very happy about it mother may she said at a 2014 event yeah that's just adorable just giant fat man hold your baby and make it cry they should have a competition it should be one of those reality shows how many babies can you make cry in an hour a sumo wrestler a 155 year old mousetrap successfully caught a mouse in 2016. wow they say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that turned out to be the case for a very early design of the mousetrap. In the mid-1800s, inventor Colin Pullinger unveiled his perpetual mousetrap and claimed that it would last a lifetime. More than a century later, Pullinger could still make that claim. The 155-year-old device on display at England's Museum of English Rural Life managed to catch a mouse that snuck into it in 2016. Even without bait, the mouse entered the trap, attempting to build a nest, and ended up activating its seesaw mechanism. Sadly, the rodent didn't survive, but clearly, the perpetual mousetrap does. Did you know that a human could swim through a blue whale's veins? I did not know that. The blue whale is the largest living creature. It's even larger than most dinosaurs. The biggest whale, blue whales can be over 100 feet in length and weigh more than 100 tons. Their hearts alone can weigh 1,300 pounds and are the size of a small car. Unsurprisingly, blue whales have enormous arteries, which pump blood through their massive hearts and into their vital organs. These arteries are so big that a fully grown human could swim through them. Not that you should actually try it. No, I don't think that would be, uh, be prudent, but it is interesting that, you know, that Crying makes you feel happier. They don't call it a good cry for nothing. Studies suggest that crying stimulates the production of stimulates the production of endorphins. That's that's Max saying hello. Uh, our body's natural painkiller and feel good hormones like oxycontin, oxytocin. Did you let him know? Yes. In short, crying more will ultimately lead to smiling more. The international astronauts must be able to speak Russian. As the International Space Station has modules and operations in Russia, in Russia, oh, has modules and operations in Russian, all astronauts going to the space station must know how to speak Russian. Some astronauts have claimed that learning this new language was the biggest challenge of their training. 
According to the U.S. State Department Foreign Service Institute, English-speaking astronauts can expect to spend 1,100 class hours to reach a reasonable level of fluency in Russian. That's twice as many hours as it typically takes to learn other languages like French, Spanish, and Dutch. So that means the Big Bang Theory wasn't true that Howard was just allowed to go to the space station? Yes, I think so, yeah. I believe so. So you ready, ready to wrap it up? I think so. I, we just we, we got we, we got, got through we got through most of these. Thanks for your patience, listening. You know, Doctor Bill is um, off this week. He's uh, working on some tackling some equipment issues. He's he will be back. Uh, he should be you uh, should be able to be listening into some Doctor Bill shorts, and um, he'll be back with us um, next weekend. So. Um, thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Pro Podcast. We welcome comments, questions, or requests to alienprobepodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook at alienprobe.net, Twitter and Instagram at alienprobepod, YouTube, Alien Probe Podcast. Thanks for joining us again, Deb. Appreciate it. Thanks to our senior producer, Robert Anthony, and we will see you next week. Thank you.